Welcome back to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. Today, our founder and CEO, Art Barter, sits down with Kelly Cardenas to have a conversation about the impact servant leadership has had in their lives. They share stories and explain the importance of leading with purpose. We hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome, everybody. Uh, We've got a special podcast today. But before I tell you who's with us, I want to read a mission statement. And this is a little exercise on mission statements. So the mission statement of my guest today in his company is to create an industry full of world-class performers. Now, I want to just have you guys take a minute, write down what you think this business is. And again, it's to create an industry full of world-class performers. Guess what business that is? And my second warning for you today is buckle your seatbelts because the gentleman I have with me today is full of energy. And uh, some of you may have seen him in the conference. Um, I loved having him on the second day because uh, you were one of the last speakers on the second day and uh, just filled the room with a bunch of energy, which is usually a time where we see energy drop off. But Kelly kind of picked everybody up. So... With me today, Kelly Cardenas is in the studio. Uh, we just got done with a little, um, how do we say, we, we, we did, the, did my hair today, grooming, right? Grooming, grooming, yes. grooming. So uh, if you know Kelly, uh, he's got a great business of service and takes care of people. And uh, he actually came to the office today with his uh, tools of the trade and uh, works some magic on my hair. So uh, for those, those of you at the conference, uh, I still do not have my part, so it wasn't a fake. It was for real, and uh, Kelly's uh, pretty thrilled about that. So, Kelly, welcome to the show today. It's good to have you here. Well, it's good to uh, good to be here and good to be able to spend some time with you. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your mission statement and the business you're in and why you created that mission statement. Well, it's in the I'm in the professional beauty industry, yep. and the reason why I wanted to create a, a industry full of world-class performers is because you know, when I got into the business 27 years ago, the connotation with hairdresser wasn't the greatest thing in the world. Right, right, yep. And, um, you know, I always joke with uh, people and say, my mom had three boys. And she would tell her neighbors, and they would ask, what do your boys do? Mm-hmm. And my oldest brother is a doctor. My second oldest brother is a lawyer. Uh-huh. And then she would say, and I've got a hairdresser. Dresser. And... <laughs> <laughs> Most people, most people would say two out of three ain't bad. Right. Yeah. You know, as a joke, and I just wanted to elevate not only the people that I worked with, but I wanted to elevate the the image of the industry. And I knew the only way that we could do that was through integrity based behavior. Right. Right. Exactly. So, Kelly's in multiple cities, correct? Yes, sir. Your home base is. Heaven. Right. Heaven. Well, heaven. Carl, there we go. That's Carlsbad, great. California, although uh, yep. we won't let out the address or the GPS on it because we don't want everyone moving here. Yeah, exactly. This is the best place in the world, and it's the only place that I've ever actually wanted to be home. How long have you been in Carlsbad? I've been here for seven years. Okay. And um, uh, I've, I've traveled around the world. That's my, my dad was in the military, mm-hmm. and I never, ever, ever wanted to be home. I could be in a hotel for the rest of my life until I got here, and I got involved in the community. 
Um, I got involved with my kids' schools. I got involved with every single thing that I could because I wanted to build this community because I want to be in it for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. So I, I have to say the services you provide are great. They've changed my life and led me down a path that I never thought I would go down. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think one of the compliments I got after the after the conference was it it made me look younger. So. I mean, just that comment alone was worth it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about Kelly, your family. Uh, you've been in the business for a while, but tell us about the personal side of Kelly a little bit, because I know you have a great wife, Brooklyn, and you've got a couple of kids. So tell us what, what the family life is like with Kelly. I think the family life is, is it's such a juxtaposed position. So I just got off a plane last night uh, from Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So I flew in for two days. Um, we did any, I think, 17 to 25 guests a day in two days. Uh, I had clients fly all the way in from South Carolina to uh, to Las Vegas to get their haircut. I had one come in or two come in from uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. I had one actually. This is my favorite one, uh, favorite story about this because people freak out on it. Mm-hmm. I had a woman fly in from Houston, Texas, yesterday, just to get her hair done. Just to get her hair done. She will fly. She flew out. Uh, this morning, so she only flew into Vegas just to get her haircut. Wow, she's a hairdresser, mm-hmm. owns a salon, fifty-two hundred square foot in in Houston. Really, with thirty-two hairdressers, and mm-hmm. flies all the way across the country to allow me to make her hair shorter. Wow! And so this simple practice is so incredible. When I say a juxtapose, I have that, and then I come home, and my son wants to do matchies. And what matchies oh. is is I'm wearing socks today that are a little funky. And he was wearing socks that were funky, and I got to take my kids to school, um, spend some time, and after the podcast today, I'm going to be back at my daughter's school, and I get to watch her do the Olympics at her school. So the juxtaposed position for me is so huge, where I get to be on stages of you know thousands, and then I get to be on a stage of one, where my daughter is looking at me and saying, Daddy, I really don't care how many people maybe took a picture with you or what happened. I want you to focus on me, and I want to be that audience. Right, exactly. And I don't believe that I could do that art if I didn't have my wife. Um, I I look at um, the other day we had a situation happen where we had to be on a uh, phone with AT&T for uh, I was on for two hours. My wife was on for an hour and a half. Wow. Servant leadership wasn't my thought process during, yeah, exactly. this, during this phone call, and I, <laughs> I lost. And I lost it. And when I lost it, my wife and I had a discussion about. There's a girl in our company that had, you know, maybe ha- had, you know, she wasn't doing so great as far as she wasn't feeling great, and she was, you know, uh, maybe her attitude was a little bit off. And we realized why it was, because she had been dealing with this stuff, right? But she didn't have the. The foundation. She doesn't have a, a wife or a husband in her life like I do. Right. You know, my wife supports me in every single thing. So I have this phenomenal family that builds me up, and then I have adversities. And what I found was, is I've got to look at people and say, I've got all this to counteract these this AT and T call. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you don't have that, that AT and T call could really ruin your life. It does, yeah, exactly. It could ruin, ruin your day, ruin your week. And it's hard to let that stuff go. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. Share with the audience um, what was your first salon you set up, and then how did you end up? Tell us how many how many uh, states you're in, uh-huh. and where you're located, and just talk about the business a little bit for us. 
So the first one was in Las Vegas, and mm. honestly, I only became a business owner because I got fired from my job. Oh, is that <laughs> so right? I got let go from my job on the national championship game of 2006. I'm sitting on the couch eating barbecue. My boss calls me. My uh, my boss, who's a great friend of mine, she just said, uh, you know, uh, we we you know are, we have to sever our relationship. We got to go our separate ways. And mm-hmm. I felt peace completely at that time. And the way that God deals with me is he only gives me one option, mm-hmm. only one option. And then I get committed to that option. And then I think he has a great sense of humor because then he sits back and almost laughs and says, look at all the other things that you could have done exactly. that I didn't allow you to see because you would have screwed it up. Yep. And so that first one was Vegas. I did that one. Um, I actually, um, I, well, I put that one in the works. Is, was that at the Hard Rock, or did you get? No, this was in a, a small um, uh, shopping center in Las Vegas where there was no one around. Okay. And my friend told me when he came to see it, he looked at it and he—I mean, his face kind of dropped—and he was like, "Where are you putting this thing?" Because it was in a shopping area where nobody was. It was a strip mall. There was the—it was the quintessential strip mall. It has a dentist office, it has a, a florist, uh-huh. and it has a nail place. Gotcha. Okay, and it's yep. normal mm-hmm. in Vegas, at least. He looked at it, and his face kind of dropped, and then he looked at me, and he said, um, his name is Walid, and Walid said, you're a palm tree. And I was like, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? He said, a palm tree can grow wherever it's planted. Mm-hmm. The location to you does not matter, because if you're there, everything's going to be okay. Right, right. And um, that one was in the works, but the actual first one was in, um, was in Port Huron, Michigan, Mm-hmm. Um, a woman had hired me in to do some um, inspirational speaking for her students, but she didn't know that I had got fired from my job. So she didn't know that I was unemployed. So she had me come and speak to her kids about, you know, getting their careers in line. Right. Uh-huh. But I'm speaking to these people and I don't even have a job. Right. She gets excited and asked me what I could do with her salon. And I made some up, something up. Mm-hmm. And I said uh, there was three options. One was uh, that I could consult with her place, which I knew she couldn't afford because her uh, salon wasn't doing well. Number two, um, I could take a percentage of the increase. Or number three, um, that I, you could take my name. Well, number one, Art, was something that I had uh, done before. Mm-hmm. Number two, I had seen someone else do. And number three, I just thought, I'll make it up right now and see if it sticks. Right, right. Well, she chose number three, and I about freaked out. Wow. And I... I find in business with myself, I, I tend to put myself in positions that I have to work myself out of as opposed to getting myself completely prepared before I take a step. Mm-hmm. I don't suggest this all the time, but that's what I've done, and it's it's paid off crazy. I mean, even meeting you. I mean, I wasn't prepared for servant leadership, but handing a book at a table next to you mm-hmm. – it made me have to step up, and I always that that for me has always been uh, the number one in business. Well, I have to be truthful with you. I, I was not ready for you, <laughs> <laughs> and there's a story behind that. I want to tell tell folks we you know we have our annual annual conference every year, mm-hmm. and my, our team usually shows up on Sunday to get things set up, and then we have a reception that night, and then we're off Monday. You know, doing the conference Monday and Tuesday. And I came in from a Lead Like Jesus conference that I go to every year with Ken Blanchard. And um, I walk in and see how the team's doing, and I see this guy with funny-looking hair. Now, I had never met Kelly before, and I don't know who Kelly is, but you're associated with Paul Mitchell, right? Now, I use Paul Mitchell at home all the time, but I didn't know who Kelly was. 
And it wasn't, hey, I'm here, I'm looking forward to speaking tomorrow. It was, what can I do to help set up the conference? I'm here to do anything you want me to do. And I went, okay, well, how much do I have to pay you? No discussion about any money. He says, I'm just excited to be here. Let me go do your thing. Now, I had no idea you had a room set up with a whole bunch of your, your folks. So tell, tell people what you did at our conference, because I want you guys to hear about Kelly's servant heart and how he approaches things. Well, I think, first of all, what we always want to do whenever we go to any uh, conference or convention, we want to, A, we want to um, introduce ourselves to every single person in the place. Mm -hmm. Because I find that once you know somebody's name, um, defenses drop down. So the closer and closer you get to something, the less and less judgment you have on it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we wanted to, you know, connect. We want to connect with everyone. And number two, well, A is that, meet everyone. B is we want to find out what the needs of all the people are. And C, we want to to deposit more than we withdraw. Right. Yep. Exactly. And so, I, I found you know a, a very simple motion of what what we did today in this room. We made your hair shorter. That's mm -hmm. really what we did. I mean, right. we could say that we did men's grooming. We could say that we uh, you know improved your image. We could say all these things. But at the end of the day, what we did is we made your hair a little shorter. Mm -hmm. That simple practice for me breaks down walls because I can get I can get inside of a, a a radius that most people don't get to. So if you're having a meeting with someone from I mean and are you, you deal with people all over the world and you deal with some of the most important people, but most likely the meetings that you have aren't those people's face aren't two feet from your head or a fillet from your head at sometimes. Right. I'm allowed into that space and so what we want to do is not only um Utilize that for making your hair shorter, but utilize that for being able to make a connection with those people. So in that room where we were, you know, touching up artists and things like that, we're able to be in their personal space. And if we do what we what we meant to do, which was uh, one of my mentors said that there's not a piece of hair that's not attached to a head, that's not attached to a body, that's not attached to a soul. And if you can touch the soul, you can do anything. Yep, exactly. And so that's what we want to do in those arenas is not only provide a service and deposit more than we withdraw, but we also want to connect with the people because, I mean, you know, I have a guy named Tony Alamo. I cut his hair for years and years, and I told you about him the first time I cut your hair. I yes, cut his sir. hair every 17 days. Right. Well, he was the... Uh, every 17 days. Every 17 every days. Every 17 days. Yes. Just so it didn't look like it ever grew. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to do with you. Mm -hmm. Yep. What I found with Tony as the director of operations for all of Mandalay Corporations, Tony would sit down for 45 minutes and he would give me a seminar and give me advice. And at the end of the service, right. he paid me. Right. Yeah, exactly. Most yep. people yep. are paying for that advice. So mm -hmm. that's what we wanted. What we want to create in these events is not only just the hair part of it, but if we can serve, then I'm never really. My dad always told me that if, if you pay me $2, give you $4 worth of service. Right. So I'm never in that person's debt. So you have a, an interesting definition of wealth. Tell us about your definition of wealth. I think it's based on the relationships and the depth of the relationships with people that you have. Um, and that's what I want to invest in. Mm -hmm. And I've been called crazy at times. I've been, um, you know, I had one guy, which was a partner of mine that said, uh, you know, I said, I'm building the culture. And his his words to me was, I don't care about the culture as long as we make money. Mm -hmm. 
I think that probably I've left money on the table, but yeah. I would much rather um, store it up because I think it's a savings account of investing in people. Right. Now, we're business owners, you and I. We have to get results. We have to pay people. So there's times where you have to balance that out, right? Well, there's, I mean, I, I'm sitting in it today. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I shared with you a little bit. Yep, you did. I just, uh, I had a, a young lady who, you know, um, she had got to a point and I have to take the responsibility for it first off, 100% responsibility for her getting to that point because my, there was issues in our business that caused her to be unhappy and I could have dealt with them and I didn't and, but it got to the point where she was unhappy mm-hmm. and when she got on, when she was unhappy, she began to speak negatively about things in a very public way. Mm-hmm. And I had to make a decision. And this was, we're, it's Thursday today. Just on Tuesday, I just had to make this decision to let this young lady go. Mm-hmm. This was the top earner in our Chicago location. Ouch. And last year, um, last year she brought in over $200,000 in revenue. Mm-hmm. And this year she was on pace to do two twenty-five, two fifty. So I made a quarter of a million dollar uh, a decision based off the fact that culture as opposed to the profitability because if i looked at the profitability i could have said well for you know that amount of revenue i could keep this person in the company but i had to work off principle and i tell you i was channeling my inner art (laughs) you know that's that's a uh you know it's not the popular decision it's not and it's difficult and you know i'll share with this usually when leaders get together kelly and i are leaders first in, in our organizations is we don't talk about the good things. It's always the challenges we have. And it didn't take very long to get into our challenges, did it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but I hope you heard what Kelly had to say. Number one, relationships are the most important thing. So that's investing in your people, right? You invest your time in people. Uh, I saw it at the conference. Um, and second, your belief is the culture is first, and that's going to bring you the financial results that I don't think you've set a financial goal, but you know that the financial results are going to come if you have this, the right culture and the right relationships with, with people in your company. Is that, is that pretty close or what, how do you, how do you say that in Kelly's words? Well, I think that it's exactly right. I mean, you know, when the, when the culture's right, everything, everything else follows, mm-hmm. you know, and but I think that we have to really look at our culture. I had a person say that they lacked culture. And it wasn't that they lacked culture. It was just that their culture was the results that they were getting. Right, exactly. And, you know, for me, I really, growing up in the business, I, in any business, I never, ever set any goals financially. I never really did. I have started to, as we started to grow, and we have to put benchmarks. And people, some people in the company are driven by those things, and they like to see them. Mm-hmm. But for me... I think if you do the right things for the right reasons, the right, right. things will happen. Right. It's the way it goes. So tell the audience a little bit about your book. Because you have six, six items that you hit on uh, related to both business and life. So, I mean, I think that there's very few businesses, I can tell you this right off the bat, Art. There's very few businesses that, that hit them naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say naturally, like... I watch you, I get to watch you, and I get to watch what what goes on, and I get to study the kind of nuances, so I get to, you know, be around you in this realm, but I also got to be around the conference. I also got to be around 
the last luncheon that, that was there. I get to be around the people. And there's very few companies that employ all six. And you guys hit them. You guys hit them dead on. Like, And it's amazing. And I see it in Daytron. And I see it in Servant Leadership Institute. Mm-hmm. And so what it is is culture, vibe, process and procedure, productivity, innovation, and the ability to adapt immediately. Mm-hmm. And what I find is as I study businesses, there's never been anything else outside of that that people would say, well, I got this challenge. Okay, I need a seventh indicator. <laughs> I mean, there's right. any time. Mm-hmm. And But culture was so strong. And if you look in the book, actually, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, almost 50 pages is culture. Culture, right. And the rest of the book is the other five. Mm-hmm. Because if you have the right culture in place... But also, I think that realizing what the what the actual word culture means it's a it's it's an environment for suitable growth, right? And it's got to be a living, breathing organism, a culture to be. A, it's got to be alive. It can't be this. I set six things, and then you have to follow them. That's why I think that Servant Leadership Institute and Daytron. That's the reason why it grows at the pace that it does, is because it's living and breathing, and I watch it. Mm-hmm. I've got to sit down in that two foot radius uh-huh. yep. with Lisa. Mm-hmm. I've got to do that with a Robin. I've got to do it. Hasia, Cassie. I've got to be inside that place and studying it. It's amazing because to see it happen is, is tremendous. The other one that I would suggest, and I wrote about in the book, Fish 101. Fish 101. Fish 101. All right. I have to hear this one. In Lucadia, California, they hit everything. Oh, really? Okay. Everything. All right. I mean, from how how quickly the food is expedited to the quality of the food to the fact that every single person in North County wants to wear a Fish 101 hat. Oh, gotcha. And guess yeah. what? Become an evangelist of the brand of Fish 101. And what am I wearing a restaurant hat for? Because I want to and I want to press it out to everyone. And I find when you are hitting those indicators, you'll have you'll have a desired evangelist. Right. And you won't really have to press your message out. People will press it out for you. So let's talk about your brand. How did you come up with your brand? <laughs> my, my brother sent me, uh, got me a shirt. He went to Jamaica and he got me a shirt and it was the um, little stick figure with the hatchet. I don't know if you've seen this. Oh, the silhouette. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, they did one in Jamaica that they put dreads on and it said Rasta Man because uh-huh. I had dreads at the time. <laughs> brother got me the shirt. Mm-hmm. Well, at the time I was on, I was employed with the company, so no big deal. Mm-hmm. But it was my favorite shirt because it had dreads. I had dreads, and hey, it, it was cool. Yep. Once I got released from my from the company that I was working with, it was as if I mean every single thing. I could take no credit for anything that I've ever done. I mean, I know that anyway because God let me know that. Um, but literally, it was just a, it was just a click. Mm-hmm. A logo, dreads, okay, I got this Rasta man, so I sent it to a 21-year-old graphic artist, and she kept putting the, my facial features in it, like an mm-hmm. Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I said, I want a faceless entity mm-hmm. that will be a symbol of quality, like the Nike symbol, that people, when they see it, they'll know that that brand leaves the environment better than the way that they found it. Right. It was a lofty goal at the time. I would say, I mean, some people say, well, it still is. In my head, it's not. It's a foregone conclusion. I already know that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just when. Mm-hmm. So we're having a good time during the processes. Um, but I, you know, people always looked at it and said, you know, you can never cut your hair off because it's your brand. Right. And I said, well, 
it's a faceless entity because I wanted every person to put their face in it and them to have the mentality and someday I'll cut my hair off, exist in my own company and no one will know that I'm the owner. They'll think that Ashley is or a Justin is or a Shauna is because of the way that they act and the way that they think. Right. Now, I want, I want people to listen to what you just said because it's a faceless brand. And yeah, you've got your name on the salon, right? But you want that salon to, to continue after you're gone. And you've created a brand that doesn't have a face on it. And you let your employees put their own face into it so they can create a successful life. Now, you've got some amazing stories of people that you brought in and helped them become very successful. To share one or two of those stories so I for got, our listeners today. Well, I've got, I've got one kid. His name is Justin uh, Uh, Justin Levitt and this guy is tremendous and you know there's some people that I speak about just numbers with like oh this person was able to to, but what a Justin has been able to do is he's been able to be the sole provider for his family he's got two daughters or he's got a daughter and a son and he's got a wife he's a hairdresser he works four days a week Mm -hmm. Um, he started with me at minimum wage and now he spends three days off with his family he plays hockey does his thing and he's got better as a hairdresser every single year. Every year. Mm-hmm. Every year. And his revenue has grown every single year also. Mm-hmm. And to be able to see him. So, I mean, and I see him and he's a culture keeper. He is the guy who I could sit him here. You could interview him. He he could orate what's going on in what's the company. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, when I look at, uh, you know, a, a situation, say like a, uh, a Sabrina. I love uh, uh, Sabrina's story because she, you know... I think it's been four or five years ago, she was homeless. Um, she was living in her car with her dad. Um, two and a half years ago, she was making minimum wage. Yeah. This year, she's on pace for six figures. Wow, wow. You know, those kind of stories are, are tremendous, but also the the situations of like a, a Christina Delaney. So Christina Delaney started off and she was an assistant, minimum wage. She went through the program and she went from assistant to stylist, to director, and now she's on a four-day work week. Now she's a six-figure earner. But to see the growth in Christina as a person, where she was a little bit more introverted, all those things, and now she's out in the community, she's saying hi to people, that stuff means more to me than any money that I could ever put in their bank account. Although, I know as a business owner, as you know, if I don't put money in their bank account, then they're going to be happy for a little bit, but they're going to have to make another decision financially. Yeah, you've got to meet their basic needs. Absolutely. Right? And if you don't, they're going to go somewhere else and, and, and find a place that will. So you, you mentioned going through the program. I, I believe you call that the academy, don't you? Uh-huh. Yeah, share a little bit about the academy that, that you have that your people can go through. So there's two, two aspects to it. One is the academy uh, and the assistant program that we take them through. So it's anywhere from... Uh, you know, uh, three, six, or 12 months mm-hmm. is what we look at. And they go through everything. So we want to build four pillars in them. One, we want to go uh, personal. Two, uh, professional. Three, spiritual. Four, financial. Mm-hmm. And we think of them as four legs to a table. So we want to create great people who happen to do hair as opposed to great hairdressers. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Because I know at some point... Maybe they're going to want to do something else inside the company, and we grow it from that point. Uh-huh. And so that, and then we have the academy, which is a two-day hands-in uh, uh, academy where people come from all over the country to be able to learn the practices that we do in the salon every single day. And what I did, Art, is I actually have our crew teach that. So it's a two-prong oh, situation. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's a two-prong situation where number one. 
the, the people from all over the country get phenomenal education. But the second part that's the most important is the people who are teaching it understand and know what they know. Mm-hmm. And they realize that people all over the country think that, wow, they have value on the things that these people do every single day. Right. So their pride in, in their brand becomes so high. We evangelize to people all over the country. Some of them become employees. Mm-hmm. Some of them just become lifelong consumers of the brand. Right. And now it creates opportunity all over the country. So when we pop a salon in another place, now the people, we've already primed that, that community mm-hmm. to, uh, to ingest what it is that we're doing. So the, the ones that get to teach that, do they get to incorporate some of their own personal stories into their teachings? Yeah. One that... And I think the stories are the biggest. So what we do with the academies is I, the way that I started off is I started off and I have them all in a line and I tell every one of their stories. Mm-hmm. So as I tell their story, then throughout the weekend, then the people can ask them and they in, incorporate because what we want to do is we want to have structures, right? We want to have processes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'll give you a little, you know, you know it uh, from being around me. Processes are nothing more than a list of our screw-ups. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we invite people to screw up in our company as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So that way we can make new processes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, you're not going to hear very many business leaders take that approach, right? Well, it's again, it's not going to be a popular one, but I want like, you know, we made I made some mistakes with this girl that I told you that, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollar decision. I made some mistakes. And then I was on the phone with one of my leaders today and and he's phenomenal. You you had met him and where I was failing is in my communication. And so we had to make a new system process. Actually, I made it on the way in. I was in my truck. I got out, and as I was walking in, I was still on the phone. Uh-huh. I ended the phone call right before I walked into the building, and we made a new process, which that process was to create a to-do list for her um, saying that, hey, we need to have a, a checklist, right? and then we need to have a timeline on it. And get this. What God gave to me the other day, Art, mm-hmm. is you can't do too much damage in seven days. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you communicate every week, right? I can't destroy your company in seven days. I could do some damage to it, but now mm-hmm. let's over thirty days. I could do that. Right. Right. Exactly. Over fourteen days, but mm-hmm. seven days, I don't think you could do too much. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting because you you tell everybody's story, which invites them in to have that close relationship. Right. That's part of that relationship building is you've got to give them a chance to tell their story, but then. The most important part is the L word, right? You've got to listen to them and and then build on what you've heard. So let me ask you this. How do you, how do you work that part? Because that is not something that is normal in people. And I wish I was just telling you, and we need to figure this out on how to do this. We need a magic eight, eight art eight ball. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So for all you leaders out there, what we need, and we need to force this into being, we need to have an app that's an art barter app that I can put in frequently asked questions. I made a screw up and I said this in a meeting. What should I do, Art? And it would just pop back up on the app. How great would it be to be able to have that? So how how do you, how do you practice listening? I mean, you've got businesses and you've also got a wife. So how do you practice this? What's some of the things that we could do? Well, you 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 put the priority in in your own life as your family comes first. So don't ever pick your business over you know, Lori, my wife. And and that's difficult to do because it's so easy, especially guys, we want to put that in in front of everything because that's where we get our our value when 
we can get so much more value if we go the other way, right? But get back to your question is how do you listen? And what I've learned over the years is we call it listening to understand or listening to where you can actually start feeling what the other person is feeling. And that's, that's empathy. So, but to do that, you have to listen to understand, keep asking two questions, tell me more or help me understand until you feel like you've heard the message. Let them tell you that you, you've heard the message. Now, don't react to it right away. Go off and reflect on it. Because you may hear things differently after you've reflected on it than you did in the moment that it was said, right? And too many leaders go, okay, I'm gonna go fix that. Well, no, just sit back, reflect on it for a day or two. You're not gonna mess things up because you take a little bit of time. But then put that together with a bunch of other data points that you know about the person that you've experienced. And now I think you're ready to meet them where they are to help them. Um, a lot of us like to listen, but we're debating in our head what we wanna tell you. So Kelly, you're talking to me, you have a problem. I already have the answer. I don't want to hear anything else you want you have to say because I already know what I'm going to tell you to do. Well, that's the wrong approach. You need to let people finish, tell them what you think you heard, and keep asking questions until you understand, and then take the time to go reflect on what you, and come back with questions if you have questions. Ask them, hey, I didn't quite understand this one, or maybe I, I heard something, help me understand a little bit more, and then you're ready to sit down and figure out a solution. Uh, but a lot of us, we just want to go, you know, right. I have the answer right now. Well, most of the time that answer is wrong. Um, so that's that's how I go about listening. Now, is that difficult? Absolutely, absolutely. Because a lot of times leaders hear the same excuses all over and over again on why people aren't performing. And you get to the point where, okay, I've heard this, I've heard this excuse for three years now. Well, when, when's the excuse gonna come up with something different? But that isn't the best way to help people. It's, it's figure out what's going on, meet them where they are, and help them. Some people are going to grow. Like you have some great performers that will get into six figures. And you've got some who will get to a certain level, and that's where they're happy. Mm -hmm. Don't try and take them to the higher level. Let them live where they're happy, right? And just because it's lower than what we have, if they're happy, hey, and they're, and they're providing for themselves, hey, that's, that's good for them right there. Now, they may want to go higher in, in three to six months or three to five years. Um, and that's what we help them do, just keep building on, on who they are and help them be more successful. But everybody does that at a different, different um, time frame, right? Yeah, I mean, you develop people all the time and you're in the service industry. And Micah says, you probably have some people you've been working with for a couple of years where some people have gotten what you're, what you're teaching them in, in three to six months and run with it. Am I close? You're dead on. I wish that we would have had this podcast 13 years ago when I started my company. <laughs> <laughs> but well, it's, it's my, my guess is you wouldn't have been ready for it back then. Uh, no. I mean, yeah. and I, what you said made so much sense because thinking about it in like almost – I'm a system guy, right? So I'm thinking about it in a system of a three-tier type of scenario, which I've never really – I never really had until just recently where we started to look at – you know, when we first started off, we said we want to create the most six-figure hairdressers in the industry. Mm -hmm. But like you said, not everybody is going to be comfortable in doing six-figure. Not everybody wants it. Exactly. And so let me ask you this because this is not nor that What you just heard, guys, from Art is, I mean, that's a whole book. Like this is a book and you should you should have to pay for this podcast just for that that 
what he just answered. Well, it's not normal practice. It's not. And did you grow? Did you grow up in that, um, or was it something that you became aware of and then you had to work a muscle, or do you think it's innately in a person? So that's three kind of questions inside. So where did it come from? Where did like where did you uh, you know start to where did it start and then or how how did you work it and then that last one is do you think that a person just has that or do you think that you can work it and become that? Well, I will tell you, for most of my leadership career, I thought I was a good listener. And when we started to implement servant leadership at Daytron uh, many years ago. Um, our team came up with 10 characteristics of a servant leader. Now, we were just getting started, so I let the team come up with the 10. And then I decided that we're gonna survey, take a 360 survey on those 10 characteristics. Now, one of them was listening. And I said, well, if I'm gonna ask my team to do it, then they have to do it on me. So I got about 30 surveys from my leaders and I opened up, up on a Friday night after everybody was gone. That's what we business leaders do sometimes, is we stay, hang around, do some stuff on Friday night. And I opened up the survey. Now, first thing I'm gonna tell you if, you, if you have your people do a 360 on you, never open up your sur survey at six o'clock on a Friday night, because you're not gonna have a good weekend. I guarantee. So I was rated the lowest in listening. And of course, my first thought was, we waste all this time on the survey because the survey's wrong. I didn't ask the question right, right? We didn't go about this right. I didn't, I didn't communicate or I didn't educate them on what answer they needed to answer for me. So that night I went home, I wasn't very happy. And Lori was home and I walked in the door and she started fixing dinner. And she could tell that I was a little bit down. And she said, so what's going on? You're, you're, you're not yourself. I said, I opened up my surveys uh, tonight. She said, what did you learn? And I said, well, I learned that I wasn't a, a good listener. And Kelly, she didn't even look up from the counter. She was working on the food, didn't even, and her comment was, tell me something I don't already know. And I'm going, I came home for support. Now, what, what, well, well wait a minute. You, you I, I wanted to tell her she was wrong, but she knew me the best. Now, at that moment, and that weekend, that weekend was not a fun weekend for me. But that weekend I had to decide, was I gonna be a, become a better listener or was I going to tell everybody that they were wrong? So that was a lot of self-talk that weekend. What I started to do was, I have a John Maxwell Leadership Bible. And so I started to study listening. Uh, in the Bible I found out that listening was a form of love and if I really cared about people, I would listen to them. And that started my journey on becoming a better listener. And over time, learned what questions to ask, when to zip up my mouth and stop talking and, and listen. And you know, my leaders and people know me well enough now that when I start asking those two questions, I'm tuned in. And that's the time where they can really tell me what they think, right? So when I ask those two questions, tell me more or help me understand, they know I'm in the right frame of mind to listen to what they have to say. So you learn when to approach Kelly and when not to approach Kelly. When he's in a good listening mode, when he's not in a good listening mode. So it, it works both ways yeah. is what I've learned. Yeah, yeah. So, so you have a fascination for servant leadership. 
What, what drove you into that fascination for servant leadership? I think it's like everything else in my life. Seriously, I fell into it. And, and when I fell into it, um, uh, you know, when we met at the, at the conference, you know, the, the Chamber of Commerce, mm-hmm. and I happened to pass a book to uh, Ken. Oh, yeah. And, well, yeah, we met at the Chamber of Commerce. You know, first, that's, we, that's yeah. where it was. And, and, you know, that happened. And I didn't really know what I was getting into. I just knew that I had been raised on Ken's principles and my dad had read his books. And, you know, I don't know if I had even told you this, but my dad, you know, barely, he didn't even graduate from high school. And then he got into a position with NASA um, and he was one of the seven, first seven safety people with NASA. And my dad got thrusted into a management position. And what my dad did is went and got the one minute manager yep. from uh, from uh, Ken Blanchard and uh-huh. read it every day and then would just do those things to the people. So because of that, and I heard he was going to be at there, I gave the book. I had no idea about Servant Leadership Institute at the time. Mm-hmm. But once I came in and then I heard the like I heard the nine principles, I heard the nine characteristics of it, I was saying like I, I've this is what I've been searching for my whole life. This is what mm-hmm. I've been, you know, searching for because you know, I've wanted to do it, but sometimes I didn't have the tools. And I think that there's a lot of people out there like it that they want to serve. Like right. what you just said about listening, you know, tell me more. And what was the other? Help me understand. Help me understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can build a whole company on that. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's so many people out there that truly want to love their people and all the stuff, but they don't have the tools. And when I found the Servant Leadership Institute, I found that really it was the college that I always wanted to go to. See, I never wanted to go to college. Mm-hmm. I never had that thought because it was stuff that I didn't really wasn't interested in. I wasn't passionate about. And when I found this, I locked onto it. And I I told you when we, when we first mm-hmm. came in contact, I told you I was going to force you to be my friend. That's right. Yeah. I told you. I like you're not going <laughs> to get rid of me because I found this thing that I really truly believe will change the world. Yeah. And I've said it. And I'll keep on saying it, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, servant leadership will be the, 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 the norm. Mm-hmm. And if that, you're in a power our, structure... That's our hope, yep. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a power structure, it will be the same thing as you having a flip phone still in this day and age. See, one of my guests was in the meeting, in the meeting, mm-hmm. when in the Motorola meeting, when the uh, CEO or CFO, I can, or the CEO said... This app thing is just a fad. And that's why we as Motorola and BlackBerry are not going towards the app. She was in is the meeting. Right? Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. And now we're sitting, I mean, we're saying like, oh, well, you know, how can I do more with my phone? I can't live without my phone. Right. If I leave my wallet at home mm-hmm. and I, I'll leave and I'll go and I'll be like, oh, I'll work it out. Right. If I leave my phone, I go into convulsions. Yep. I believe that that's what servant leadership is going to be because there's people now that are saying, okay, well, this is fun and touchy and feely and stuff like that. No, no, this is real practical ways of being able to lead people and to be able to make your organization like wildly successful. In 10 years, people are going to say, I wish, I wish I would have listened to the podcast. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have been uh, training my uh, staff with servant leadership. I wish that I would have got a hold of Art and just asked him, you know, like me, while I was cutting your hair and I was in that oh, two-foot yeah. radius. Yep. I'm asking you, like, Art, I just dealt with this situation and you dropped knowledge bombs on me in that room. I mean, it was just, 
you know, and then, because I was thinking I was right. I was telling you a story. I'm thinking I'm right. And then you told me, and you said it in such a nice way, but literally in that room 10 minutes ago, you kicked me in the head and said, wake up, servant leader. Yeah. Because if you're going to move this way, we got to have practical application that will end up affecting your bottom line. And I truly believe in 10 to 15 years, it's going to be the norm. And if you're in a power structure right now and you have a power structure in your, in your, um, in your company, guys, get ready. Because your Motorola flip phone is going to be That's obsolete. Right. That's right. This is the new iPhone. Yeah. You mentioned the P word, power. And what we believe is, you know, servant leaders still have power. It's just they use it differently. They give it away. They don't hold on to it. They give it away. And so the P word doesn't go away. It's just used differently. Because you give the people in your organization the power to go where they want to go. Right? And that's wow. that's a big difference. So... Um, you want to leave the audience? We're going to wrap up here. Uh, leave the audience with one one thought or or one concept about, that you really want to get across to them. I think mentors are are, are a huge thing, um, and I think when you get to a point where you don't have mentors in your life, um, be be weary. And you know whether you're a leader um, in your organization, you're a leader in your home or you're a leader in your community, or you're just a friend to other people, um, you have to have mentors. You have to have people who will, like Art did to me today, you have to have people who will kick you in the head with, with love and, and with knowledge that way of, you know, because they've been in those situations. And I think that that's the only way that we can truly progress is when we put our, ourselves around people who are so much greater than us. Mm-hmm. That will keep us humble first. Right. And it will keep us working. And that's what I experienced in cutting your hair and being here, coming here today, is I experienced that. And I see that there's a whole different side and a whole different level of leadership and servant leadership that I can have simply from 15 minutes with you. And right. I can't imagine, right. you know people that are connected with the company for years and things like that. I mean, honestly, like that is my message to the people. And the se- the second part would be, um, I mean, the world needs to start listening to our barter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, it's been great to have you here today. I'm going to recommend everybody pick up your book. Um, where can they get it? Kelly Cardenas, uh, Kelly Cardenas.com and Kelly Cardenas salon.com. Mm-hmm. And then you can find me as the real Kelly Cardenas on Instagram. Yeah. And if you want a whirlwind pre- presenter and you want to buckle your seatbelt, uh, let Kelly into your organization and let him come talk because you'll be talking about Kelly for a long, long time after he's there. He's a, a great presenter and just has a heart to really pour into people. So, Kelly, thank you for pouring into our audience today. We really appreciate the time. And thank you for a great haircut. Uh, I know I'm going to get compliments for the next couple of days. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. All right, everybody. We're going to wrap it up today. Uh, If you'd like more information on Servant Leadership, go to ServantLeadershipInstitute.com. You can search on Robin, Art Barter. um, uh, Books are available in in Amazon. But uh, ServantLeadershipInstitute.com. And we've got a whole variety of podcasts out there. So... Kelly, you've added to our library. I think we're going to get a lot of hits with you uh, long term, and I think people are going to be drawn from this for a long, long time. So thanks again for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, take care. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. What a great conversation by two wonderful servant leaders. If you are interested in receiving a free gift, we would love to send you a digital download of our Nine Behaviors card. We recommend you print this out and keep it close to be able to reference it throughout your day. 
To receive this gift, email us at info at servantleadershipinstitute.com with the title Nine Behavior Gift. To learn more about Kelly Cardenas, visit his website at kellycardenas.com. And to learn more about SLI, visit our website at servantleadershipinstitute.com. Thank you once again for allowing us to add value to your day.